business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step by step booklet for you to get. Now I make money move. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Mansell. I am your host, back with another installment of our Q&A segment, Your Four, with co-host Brandon how are you? I'm good, man. Good to have you back. Yeah, we good, haven't man. done. We've we've had so many guests on the podcast. We haven't done a your four for shit, man. It's got to be over a month now. Mm, hot minute. Yeah, it's been a hot minute, but uh, it's good news because we. It means that we've just been stockpiling questions, and we've got four fucking epic questions uh, to to dive into today. Before we dive in, Brandon, man, uh, quick reminder about our price. Beat guarantee, our all new price beat guarantee, because a lot of people surprised. A lot of customers are surprised. They're like, oh shit, you like, you're actually going to beat the sales price? You're going to beat the blowout price? You're going to beat the discount price? This person over here is doing 20% off this weekend. You're going to beat that price? This person over here doing a long weekend blowout sale. You're going to beat those prices? Fuck yeah. We're going to beat everyone's prices. It's been really uh, well received, eh? Mm, it's good. Hugely well received and super easy to access our price beat guarantee, guys. If you're online, I know most of you guys shop online uh, on the product page for the product that you're trying to buy. There's a big red button that says price beat guarantee. You just select the variations of the product. So you need to like select the size and the flavor, obviously, and then click that red button and you pop in the the uh, URL, the website link of the price that you're trying to beat, whether it's on special sale, we don't care. You pop it in. And within six hours, it gets reviewed and uh, most of them get accepted. And we beat that price by a dollar. For those of you who shop in store, literally go in store, show us the price that you're trying to beat on your phone. And our supplement specialists in our retail store will look at it, they'll verify it, and they'll go, fuck yeah, we'll beat that price by a dollar. Best price subs in the country, no exceptions, just our little bit to try and save you guys a little bit of cashola on your favorite subs with all the man interest rates went up again yesterday <laughs> crazy we're trying to ease the cost of living pressure for you guys making sure you're getting the absolute best price on your supplements in the country no reason to shop anywhere else mj fitness massivejoes.com is where it's at so good it is it's fucking good we've man. got you man yeah we've got you yeah all right four questions let's dive in let's dive in question one in what ways do you use data or analytics to run and optimize your business? In every way. And you see a lot of this as, because yeah. as, as business development uh, assistant and working in the biz dev area of the business, uh, you probably see more data and analytics than most people in the business. Uh, in every way. Data is a huge part of what we do. We track... Uh, I, I, th I honestly think that if people saw the amount of data that we use to track all the different parts of the business, most of them would be a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I've just put, I've actually put a little shortlist together. This is just off the top of my head of the things that we track on a weekly, fortnightly, and monthly basis. So you tell me if I've missed anything here. Oh, this is going to feel like a Monday. 
Yeah, well, yeah. And and the weekly stuff is done on a Monday, right? Is we spend a lot of time first thing on a Monday morning. Uh, I mean, we start our Mondays with the monthly managers meeting and we go through a bunch of analytics and then most of Monday is reporting and diving into data and analytics. But let me just, this is just off the top of my head. Sales and GP across all different areas of the business. Expenses across all different areas of the business. In particular, rent, wages, freight, cost of goods. Sell-through rates of different inventory to make sure we're not sitting on dead stock. Retail store analytics in the bricks and mortar retail side of the business. Obviously, sales and GP. Number of customers, average order, average basket size, number of new customers. On the website, a whole lot of website analytics. Sales and GP, affiliate sales, athlete team sales, website users, website sessions, new website users, return website users, time on site, bounce rate, average order value, guest checkouts, new signups on checkout and new signups from website pop-ups. In the warehouse, we track dispatch errors as a percentage of total errors going out. From the email side of things, which you're specifically responsible for, number of subscribers, number of active subscribers, open rate revenue, the wholesale side of the business is a whole bunch of analytics that we track there in terms of number of orders, number of retail partners, number of reseller partners, sales and GP. From a social media perspective, we track a lot of analytics here. Followers across all the different platforms and all the different accounts, impressions, reach, profile views, website clicks, downloads for the podcast, (laughs) uh, where there's different codes that are used, use of those codes, frequency of code use, uh, advertising. So we do a lot of advertising through social media and advertising through search engine as well. So we're tracking all of that, specifically return on ad spend, impressions, reach, uh, frequency of how many times ads are shown, how people are engaging with the ads. Uh, and then a big one for us is inventory analytics, missed sales, missed revenue because of products being out of stock uh, and and uh, what effect that kind of has on our top line revenue. Uh, that's That's just a snapshot. That's not everything. That's not an extensive list. It's not. But there's a whole lot in there. There is, yeah. Before I came into head office as well, like I had no idea. Well, you started in the retail team, yeah, right? Yeah, so and you even then, there was a lot. Yeah, well, you would have seen the retail analytics, which was sales, GP, customers, average order, new customers. And that's kind of probably what you would have seen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole lot going on. So that's kind of the data that we track and the analytics that we track. And then I guess the second part of the question is in what ways do you use it to optimize a business? Well, information is power, right? So what all of this, and this is why I'm so big on, on the data and the analytics, because what it allows us to do is see where the holes are, right? See where the gaps are, okay? So it's not just about recording the data, and, you know, and looking at the data, it's about, okay, let's take a deep dive here. Why is this number up? Why is this number down? What can we do better to plug this hole? Uh, this hole's been plugged. How do we plug it? How do we make sure that it doesn't become a hole in the future? So, you know, it depends on what area of the business we're looking at. But the first step is to, to uh, dive into the data and then to really think thoughtfully about the data around how can we improve. And I think that that is a a forever changing process, right? Because sometimes you you look at a particular piece of data and you analyze it in a particular way, and then you might come back a month later and go, hold on a second, perhaps I didn't interpret that the correct way. 
we've just been through this, Vince and I just went through this two weeks ago. So far as um, we were specifically looking at our inventory holding and stock sell-through rates uh, and missed sales based on products being out of stock. And we'd never looked at the data this way before, right? We kind of always looked at it in, in, um, in, uh, through one pair of, uh, through one lens. And then we went, hold on a second, maybe we should look at it through a different lens as well. And so we literally flipped it on its head, looked at it through a different lens and we were like, oh, fuck, lens A that was encouraging us to make certain decisions around stock holding and reordering rates and terms and so on and so forth. When you compare that to lens B, it paint a completely different picture. Oh shit. Okay. Maybe we need to question the decisions that we've been making based on our interpretation and our analysis of this data through lens A. So that, and, and I think that, you know, that really is the separator between um, businesses that are successful over the long term and businesses that have short-term success. Mm. Do you have anything you want to add there? Not really. Like, it's just so critical. Like, even just, you've, you do, you pretty much, when you set up like a new area of the business or we're doing something else, you pretty much, you set that up straight away. So you're tracking instantly. And going back, if I'm tracking like my email stuff every week, you can go back to two, three years ago and see, okay, the open rate or the revenue back then was this amount. It's dropped or it's increased. What have we done right? What have we done? What, what aren't we doing well? And you can just make changes. But yeah, how else are you going to measure growth if you're doing things right, if you're doing things wrong? Like it's the weekly managers meeting as well. You always ask us, what have we done well? What are we doing well? And what can we improve on? And that just helps so well, much. And that's analysis ultimately, because at the start of those meetings, I present top line data. And then we go straight into what did we do well last week? Where did, where did we drop the ball last week? What can we do better this week? So that, that's immediately data analysis. You'd be surprised though, man, because through my mentoring work, I work with a lot of different businesses and a lot of different leaders in different businesses. And you would actually be surprised. A lot of people don't use data. Firstly, don't measure in the first instance. Like everyone measures top line sales, top line revenue. Where your expenses at? Uh, I don't know. How do you not know? <laughs> What's your GP? You're selling a, a, a cup of coffee. What does it cost you to make that cup of coffee? Uh, I'm not really too sure. How the fuck? <laughs> you know, you would be, and I see this a lot, right? And it's one of the first things that I do with my mentoring clients is, okay, we need to look at what data we need to pull out on a weekly, fortnightly, monthly basis. And we need to start measuring that because if we don't have the data, we can't make right decisions. We're literally fucking throwing darts at a dartboard with a blindfold on. We don't know because we don't have the right data. We don't even know what the fucking dartboard is. You'd be very surprised how many businesses do that until it gets to a point where it's like, oh shit, I made that decision. It didn't work. Oh, why didn't it work? Oh, okay. I, I need a little bit more information here. So, but it's, man, information is power. You know, if you, all of the, the entrepreneurs, the business owners, and even if you're not a business owner, you're working for somebody else, the more data you can pull out for your area of the business the better decisions you're going to be able to make, the better you're going to be able to perform as an employee. And then on top of that as well, you, you mentioned all the different areas that you do um, run data and analytics on. And then obviously you have your monthly meetings with your managers, but then in the different areas, you also have them weekly too, mm -hmm. to go over those. Like you talk with Vince and I, with the affiliate and all that, all that area of the business and then ties with the wholesale and then just give, 
just being able to touch base so regularly as well can make those little tweaks that, yeah. yeah make and a it's, lot of you know, it's, it's, it's become part of our culture too. Like even this, literally this week, Monday morning, Leah came into the Monday morning managers meeting without being prompted and had data on Team J Apparel. And she's like, I want to present this to you guys because I want you to see what's going on. I've, on my own initiative, I've gone and taken a deep dive into some sales data for Team J Apparel. And I think it's important that we understand what's going on here, right? Had, had she not done that, I would never have thought to look where she looked. Nobody would have. So it almost has become part of like a reinforcing part of our culture to go, okay, what, what else can we look at to better inform our decisions as a team? And it helps communication as well. Yeah. Just being able to communicate regularly too. Mm, 100%. Next question. Do you see a psychologist and do you recommend it? Yes, I do. And I've spoken about this in many podcasts in the past. I see a clinical psychologist approximately once every six weeks. Six, let's say six to eight weeks. I, I, would, I would see her uh, eight to 10 times a year. So whatever that works out as, a, as an average, I think it's about six to eight weeks. Uh, very, man, life-changing for me. Um, I, start, I actually started seeing her uh, as a marriage counselor <laughs> when, when my first marriage started, uh, started uh, disintegrating and, uh, and eventually collapsed. Uh, so I started seeing her as a marriage counselor and I got so much out of it that I've continued seeing her ever since. So I've been working with her for over five years now uh, and life-changing is, is the best way that I can describe it. That being said, do I recommend it? I think you have to be at a point where you are ready to get value out of seeing a therapist. And I think a lot of people can do a lot of work internally and individually before they get to that point. And I'm talking things about, uh, I'm, talking, I'm talking like things, things like, I should say, to get my words right, um, reading about different personal development, reading about mindfulness, uh, taking action through meditation type practices, through, you know, the, the little mental health things that you can do yourself that are just going to start the process of personal development before you go and seek therapy. Because I think a lot of people dive into therapy thinking it's going to be like some sort of silver bullet. Oh, now I'm seeing a psychologist. Everything's going to be okay. Fuck no. You got to do work, man. Like you have to like in between. My, and this is why I only, I only see her every six to eight weeks because I put in fucking work. You know, if I was seeing her every week, I wouldn't, it's not enough time to, to actually put into practice the things that we discuss. That's where I'm at. That's it. Mm. Well, Talk about personal development. I want to know if you went, what sparked your personal development journey? Have you always sort of... My divorce. Okay, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah, looking back, I can see it. Uh, you know, I always thought up into that point that I was um, taking proact proactive steps in my personal development. And I was... But until I went through the trauma of 
that marriage breaking down and everything that was involved in that, um, which is, I should do a podcast on it, take a few hours. <laughs> um, but everything that was involved in that, for me, that was really like my biggest adult trauma. And that was the catalyst for me to go, fuck, I need to make some serious changes here because I do not like the path that I'm on as a person. So that was for sure the catalyst for real personal development. Up until that point, I kind of fluffed around the edges. When I got to that point, it was like, okay, no more avoidance, no more distractions, no more coping mechanisms. I need to confront these fucking demons and I need to figure out how to get through them. Yeah, awesome. Because I, my, I did originally have like a question that was, what if someone's extremely happy and they say to themselves, I'm content in life and I don't need a psychologist. But you've sort of, you've answered the question there and you need to do a lot of the work yourself. There's a lot of um, self-development reading, things like that you can do. Um, because I know before I went through any hardships and thought mental health wouldn't, wouldn't affect, affect me, it was something that didn't even cross my mind. And a lot of people wait for pain, trauma, hardship, an event to happen to take steps and to take action. What about those people that haven't gone through that and they... That was me. Yeah. That was me. Do want to... That was me pre-2017. Fucking life was great. Everything was sunshine and rainbows and, you know, I had, I had, I had fucking everything, man. Like I had, you know, the um, multi-million dollar business. I had the athletic career. I had the, um, the trophy wife, for lack of a better term. I had, like, I had everything. And I was like, honestly, like to look at me back then, I was like, mm, man, people who see shrinks are like fucked in the head. Mm. Honestly. Yeah, I, I was the same. Like, 100%. that's where I was at. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need, you know, that's not me. Like, that, that's like, you know, I'm never going to go down that path. But let me tell you, man, the universe has a way of fucking straightening you out. It has a way of kind of going, oh, okay, you reckon you've got this shit all sorted out. Let me throw this in here and see how you deal with it. And it's guaranteed nobody escapes life without going through some sort of trauma. And it could be a divorce. It could be um, a, a, a breakdown of a career or a, or a, a breakdown of a business. It could be some sort of physical illness. It could be some sort of physical illness to somebody very close to you. There's a million different things that the universe can throw at you that is going to literally send you in a fucking spiral. And that's when you're going to go, oh, shit, okay. The only way through this is to actually confront the demons that I need to confront. Yeah. Yeah, I was the same. I was very ignorant to mental health. Um, before I went through things myself, I always thought, okay, that's not going to happen to me. I'm fine. Um, but like Joe said, it's going to happen to you no matter what Guaranteed. at some point in your life. Yep. And you need to, I mean, it's going to spark um, a want to grow um, and really discover yourself. But start, start now, man this personal development stuff, start learning more about yourself, yeah. start reading and start really just trying to get those tools. So when something does happen, you'll at least have a little bit of an idea of what you need to do. Yeah, for sure. One of, one of the best books that I can recommend, if I can just drop a, drop a book in there and something that I, I recommend everybody read is a book called Mindset 
by Dr. Carol Dweck. And it is the, the authority on the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. I thought I had a growth mindset until I went through some serious shit. And then I was like, oh, fuck. No, no, no. I, this is not a growth mindset at all. This is a fixed mindset. This is, the, this is the classic definition of fixed mindset. That's why I thought like I had everything. Everything was good. I didn't need to work on personal development. I didn't need to work on psychology. I didn't need to work on mindfulness. I didn't need to meditate and do all that la-di-da shit until I did. Till you got punched in the face. Till you get punched in the face, man. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Next question. How can one build resilience and mental toughness? What a great follow-up question. <laughs> it is, yeah. These two tie together very well. Um, well, resilience straight off the bat is go through difficult shit, right? Literally everything we just spoke, for, spoke about get fucking punched in the face, right? There's actually, there's actually, thinking about it, there's no other way to develop resilience than to go through difficult shit. So you can do all the fucking reading you want about it. You can listen to all the speeches and podcasts and all that shit about building resilience until you actually physically and psychologically go through hard shit and figure out how to get through it. There's actually no other way to build resilience. So if the universe doesn't throw hard shit at you, how do you build resilience? Well, you take the less traveled path. When you have a decision to make, and one direction's easy and another direction's difficult, you choose the difficult direction. When you have a choice to make and one choice is comfortable and one choice is uncomfortable, choose the uncomfortable choice. You can actually force yourself into positions where you confront difficulty and build resilience consciously. Mental toughness. I think has more to do with keeping the promises you make to yourself and doing what needs to be done when you don't feel like doing it. When I think about all of the things that I do that have, that have and continue to build my mental toughness, so much of it is that. I can think of literally today, what's, what's the time? 12 o'clock. I got up at uh, just after three this morning. So I've been awake for nine hours and I could think of probably five or six things today in the first nine hours of the day where I was like, fuck, I really don't feel like doing that. Hold on a second. Discipline. Do it. You don't feel like doing it. When your mind says no, you go. Do it. Every day, right? It's a, it's a continuous process. But I think make promises to yourself. Keep them specifically when you don't feel like keeping them and do what you know you need to do especially when you don't feel like doing it. Rinse, repeat. That's how you build mental toughness. Rewind that and re-listen to that, guys. <laughs> Pause and put that shit on repeat. Because yeah. that choose the hard, the hard right over the easy wrong. Do something that sucks every day, man. Do something that makes you uncomfortable every day. Seek discomfort. Avoid comfort because you don't grow being comfortable. Man, it's the first thing on my daily accountability calendar every day. And I'm actually, little plug here, I'm working on a, a 
publishing a hard copy daily accountability calendar that you guys will be able to purchase and implement because it's a tool that I've been using for so many years now and it, it, it's been such an important it, it, it's been such an important piece of my personal development and I have all of my mentoring clients use it and they fucking love it literally the first thing every day on the daily accountability calendar is the letter U the letter U stands for uncomfortable What's the uncomfortable thing you're going to do today? Seek it out. Do it first. Because that's resilience building. Straight up. That wins. Mm. Good stuff, man. Anything you got to add there? Not really, man. You've just, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head with that. What about you, from your personal experience, have you had any specific things that come to mind that have been a big part of you building resilience or mental toughness? I know you did 75 hard. I did, yeah. Uh, what, 18 months ago now? Yeah. I was, yeah, like I said, like the biggest win, 75 hard is a, it's a mental, mental challenge. As shout much out as Andy Frisella. Shout out, man, because yeah. it's an unreal challenge and that is a mental toughness challenge. Yeah. And it's pretty much just like he said, just ticking those boxes every single day mm-hmm. when you're like, your mind's just screaming at you, your body's screaming at you, but you need to choose to do these and cross these off. Yeah. And you just need to stack them as well. Just build on those wins, build on those habits yeah. every single day. And that's 75 hard years, right? It's, and that's why it's called, it's 75 days of doing hard shit. Put the words together, 75 hard. But it's literally like, man, I can even think, uh, I'm not specifically familiar with all the stuff on 75 hard, but like this morning already, so, you know, I'm fucking less than two weeks out of a, a show at the moment. So one of the most difficult things for me to do at the moment is... Um, cardio on the devil's staircase. I did 55 minutes this morning. I did not want to get, I did not want to take one fucking step on that staircase. My hamstrings are sore, my calves are sore, my lower back sore, my food's restricted. I'm just fucking exhausted. 55 minutes. Second thing, I fucking hate cold showers, especially this time of year because cold showers, in summer, it's all good, right? Because the water kind of comes out in, in, in Australia and the water's, you know, it's not really that cold. This time of year, we're coming into winter. It's literally, it's like ice cubes come out of the fucking shower head. Did not want to get in a cold shower this morning. Got in a cold shower. I know that, you know, the cold shower thing is a 75 hard thing, right? It's not. Oh, it's not. Um, I think he has like a full years program. It's like okay. live Maybe hard. That, and I think it's part of phase. the, I think it is yeah. the second phase. Yeah. 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 But regardless, it's about literally setting up your day with hard things with difficult things that you have to do every day for 75 days consecutively. No taking a day off here. No, you take a day off, you start again. You go back to day one. Man, there's small, there's tiny tasks. One of the yeah. tasks is take a, take a photo of yourself, take a progress photo every yeah. day. You don't, you forget to take that photo, you got to start from the beginning, man. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, if you say, okay, I'll finish this challenge, you're, you're going to feel like shit. shit. You know deep down that you didn't. I mean, a lot of the tasks that there was hard tasks in there, but some of them were okay. Just read ten pages of a book, a self development book every day, or um, drink four liters of water every day. And I'd get towards the end of the day at night, and I'd need to go to bed. And I'm like, "Fuck, I haven't done this yet. Yeah. I haven't drank two liters of water. I know I'm going to be up pissing every night, but you got to do it." Yeah. And the one thing that it did instill in me, and was the main takeaway from it, is knowing that if you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And that's mental toughness, man. That is the definition of discipline. Awesome. Last question. 
Might be wishful thinking, but any chance there will be a store in Perth again in the future? Absolutely. The, the, the short answer is absolutely. The long answer is, uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that this question has come through because it lets me talk about um, something that, that I, uh, I mean, we talk about internally a lot here, but I don't really talk about publicly. Uh, and I'm happy to talk about publicly. Is bricks and mortar retail is changing very fast. Faster than I think it's probably ever changed in the history of bricks and mortar retail, not just in the supplement and apparel space, but across everything. And a little, I guess a little bit of background to kind of explain where I'm, where I'm going with this. So if you go back pre-COVID, 2018, we had 10 retail stores. We had eight retail stores in South Australia. By the end of 2018, we had eight in, in South Australia. We had one in Perth and we had one in Melbourne. And my vision for bricks and mortar retail was we'd set up this network in South Australia that was doing well, firing on all cylinders, still quite a young network, but was really heading in the right direction. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that. I'm going to replicate that in every state in the country or every major state in the country. So the second one was going to be Melbourne and Melbourne was going to be 2020. <laughs> I say a little prayer every night that, uh, that I didn't jump the gun on that one because that would have been the end of MJ Fitness for sure, um, knowing what we now know about Victoria and Melbourne and how badly that was locked down. But that was my vision is it was like, you know what, bricks and mortar retail, in the, in the supplement and fitness apparel space is about convenience. And I've proven that it works in the smallest major city in the country. So I just take that and I roll it out across Victoria, across New South Wales, across Queensland, Western Australia, and happy fucking day. So I was literally looking, end of 2019, start of 2020, Melbourne, I was going to do 12 to 15 stores over the space of two to three years, right? And then Sydney, 15 to 20, right? Based on population and geographical capacity and so on and so forth. That was the vision. Then COVID happened, obviously, 2020. So it pumped the brakes on fucking everything. And what we've seen on the backside of COVID is a fundamental change in consumer behavior, which has... And you, you, can, you can run this through your own mind and the way that you behave as a consumer, I do this all the time personally, is convenience when it comes to bricks and mortar retail is just not valuable anymore because you can order shit online and you can have it there the same fucking day. We do it. We do same day delivery. You order your shit in the morning, it's there in the afternoon. Why would you bother the time, the effort, the energy, the petrol, the paying for parking, and everything that goes into going to a bricks and mortar retail store to get something, when that same bricks and mortar retailer will ship it to you for free or for a small fee on the same day, you don't have to lift a fucking thing. So convenience is just, there's still value there, but it's just not as valuable as it was when you go back four or five plus years ago. So that has been a fundamental change. So the question then becomes, well, what is valuable? From bricks and mortar retail because there's plenty of retail stores like it's not like the whole thing's collapsed what is valuable what do you think I'll ask you the question 
put yourself, you're, you're a consumer. What do you value in a bricks and mortar retailer now? Uh, I want experience, man. 100%. 100%. If I'm going to invest my time, my effort, my energy, my money in petrol, finding a car park, paying for a car park, and all the other bits and pieces that go into physically putting myself in your bricks and mortar retail store, what's the value proposition? It's experience. It's experience. That's it. That's the fundamental change across all industries, apart from maybe fucking groceries because we're not just there. But <laughs> let me tell you, same-day grocery delivery is, is here. Fuck, I might not even go to the supermarket anymore. Why would I? gonna ship my shit to, for free to my house I ain't gonna do shit it's experience that's where the value is so from our perspective we had spent from 2013 to 2018 setting up convenience based bricks and mortar retail stores a little bit of experience but we weren't we didn't commit to the experience it was mainly convenience the way we selected locations where they were how far apart from each other they were the things that we did in retail stores it was convenience and then you've had this fundamental change where convenience is just not valued anymore. So we are, we're definitely one of the first movers, definitely in the supplement space to kind of go, this is not working anymore. And we need to change direction very, very quickly. A lot of our competitors in the bricks and mortar retail space are just fucking beating that dead horse, man. And they will beat that dead horse until they fucking die. 100%. We are going down the less traveled path we've spoken about uh, and, and the writing's on the wall. So you can, you can, man, you can either work with it, you can work against it. I choose to work with it. So back to the question, is there a chance there'll be a Perth store in the future? Absolutely. It'll look a lot different to how MJ Morley looked, which was mainly convenience-based. It'll be experience-based. As true will all of our retail stores moving forward. All of them, they have to be to survive because that's the value proposition now. Exciting, man. Well, you, you got punched in the face and you had the you resilience know. and you had the tools to over adapt. Exciting, but scary at the same time. Yeah. One of my favorite authors, uh, Robin Sharma, he's written um, The 5am Club. He's probably, oh, he's written all of it, you know, uh, The Monk Who Lost His Ferrari. Uh, 5 a.m. Club, uh, his most recent book that I read last year, uh, The uh, Heroes Manifesto, Manif something manifesto in the name. I can't remember exactly what it is. Just Google Robin Sharma. All his books will come up. One of his best quotes, and I think this is from the 5 a.m. Club, is change is hard at first, messy in the middle, and gorgeous at the end. Change is hard at first. It's the less traveled path. It's the uncomfortable path. It's the difficult path. It has to be because you're challenging the status quo, right? As humans, we don't want to change. We want to have the same habits, the same routines. We want predictability. We want certainty. As soon as things get thrown off, it's hard. Change is hard. It's hard at first. So it's difficult. It's taking a lot of fucking courage for us as a team, us as a business to accept that what we thought was going to play out a certain way has changed so dramatically. It's just not, it's not going to play out that way anymore. So what are we going to do about it? Well, we have to change. 
It's hard at first. Messy in the middle. We're going through the messy part right now. Fucking gorgeous at the end. Guaranteed. 100%. So that's where we're at with, with bricks and mortar retail stores. And I think, you know, because we've, we've closed a number of stores since COVID um, we, and we closed another one a month ago, there's another one coming up that'll close within the next month and people are kind of going, oh, what's going on here? You know, closing retail stores, this and that. Well, <laughs> we're having the courage to change direction because the shit's not working anymore. The writing's on the fucking wall. We tried to beat the dead horse for the last three damn years, man. At some point, you've just got to accept it and you've got to work with it. And that's kind of where we're at. And it's exciting. You mentioned it's exciting. It is exciting um, because it opens up new opportunities and, and new things for us to explore. And really, you know, be, you know, I often refer back to when we opened the first standalone bricks and mortar retail store, which is, which we still have, still operates today is MJ's Dernan Court. Um, and that was 10 years ago now. That was 2013. And that was such a pioneering move in bricks and mortar retail because back then, all of your supplement stores were fucking carpet floors, Bunnings shelving, um, bags of protein on the floor, shit stuff, like just, just fucking just shit. And we came in, this big store, 150 square meters, tiled floors like you've walked into a, a fucking five-star hotel, beautifully displayed supplements, beautifully displayed apparel, screens playing pro, like it was never seen anything like it in Australia, never been done. It was pioneering at that point in time. We've done it once, we can do it again. So I'm excited for what the next pioneering step looks like in terms of bricks and mortar retail. That's the exciting part for me. And that's why it's gorgeous in the end. It's just messy in the middle. It's crazy, man. Dernan Court's coming up to, what, 10 years now? 10 years, man. And you yeah, still July. look fucking brand new. And you know, it looks, looks the exact <laughs> yeah. same as when I walked in there 10 years ago. Yeah. And people still come in and be like, how long's this store been? Oh, it looks like it's gorgeous. It's yeah. still, yeah, it's yeah. still top tier, man. And it just shows how futuristic and well, ahead just how of the far time. ahead of the curve it was back then. Yeah. You know, so it'd be interesting what the next chapter looks like. Uh, we got a lot of change happening, man. We've just yeah, gone man. through the rebrand from yeah. Massive Joe's to MJ Fitness officially. Um, saw that one coming for a while, but uh, but yeah, exciting times ahead. 100%. That's a wrap. It is. Four questions. Brandon, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Awesome to have you on board again, guys. As you know, the one thing we ask in return, if you have enjoyed listening to this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast, your four segment, we ask that you guys share the show. Take a screenshot right now of whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. Post that screenshot in your Instagram story. Tag myself at Joseph Mansell. Tag Brandon at Brandon Verdi. We like to see those tags and we repost as many of them as possible. If you guys have a question that you'd like us to answer in the next episode of your four, send Brandon a DM at Brandon Verde, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-V-E-R-D-E. He collates them, picks the four best. That's how we put these shows together. That's it. That's a wrap. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. We hope you enjoyed listening. A couple of things to round out. Firstly, if you've yet to subscribe to the Fitness Times Business Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure you do that right now so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you guys took some value from this episode, the one thing we ask in return is that you share the show. And finally, if you've yet to leave us a five-star rating, make sure you do that before the next episode.